Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, March 4th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com. We'll talk some FBS college football, some FCS college football, and a little bit of college hoops on today's edition of the show. As I've been talking about a week ago, posted the 2021 MLB betting guide over at ATS.io. Make sure you check that out. 30 team previews, all the team and player futures you could ask for. Home Run King future as well. One of my favorite articles that I write year in and year out. That's available in individual web page form over at the website, ATS.io. You can find that link on my Twitter, at Skating Tripods. Or you can also, on my Twitter page, find a direct download link to the PDF from Google Drive. It's the entire guide, 270-some-odd pages worth of that guide. You can get that from my Google Drive, then print that out on the company's dime or whatever you want to do with it. But you can check out the full guide over at ATS.io. Or if you need me to, I could send you a link to download that PDF or just send it as an attachment, skatingtripods at gmail.com, the way to get in touch with me. But also over at the website, picks and predictions across golf, NASCAR, UFC, college basketball, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball picks coming up very soon here as well. Sportsbook reviews, sportsbook promotions, tons of stuff posted on the daily over at ATS.io for you to check out. You can find all those articles in the ATS app as well, which you can download from the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen of U.S. sportsbooks, stats database, premium subscription model, and again, articles from the website. So download that ATS app today. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? That's going well. How you doing? Oh, very well, buddy. Appreciate your time as always here. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. And uh, quick, have to throw this out to the listeners right away. We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. So there is a chance, and a good one at that, that some of these FCS lines will have moved that we've discussed on today's show. But we'll try to work in that part of the discussion as we go forward here. But I do want to start with a couple of interesting tweets that you had here on Wednesday specifically looking at the strength of schedule in college football relative to your power ratings. And you had some pretty interesting things that you said on your Twitter at Brad powers and the number seven with regards to strength of schedule for 2021. Yeah. I think some people are going to be surprised by the, uh, the results and keep in mind, you know, how do I come up with my strength of schedule rankings? I just do average opponent power rating uh, for each team while also factoring in where the game is played. So obviously you're getting a couple points extra if you're playing, you know, somebody on the road and whatnot. So teams that play more road games, it's going to be tougher. Uh, and obviously teams that play, you know, more power five teams, because your average opponent power rating for a power five team is going to be more than that, than a group of five or an FCS. So if you don't play an FCS team, you don't play many group of five teams uh, and you play like nine conference games like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the Big and the Big 12 do, uh, you, you're probably going to be more at the top of my toughest schedule. And I think a lot of people would be surprised that out of the top 10 toughest schedules in 2021, again, this is an early set of my power ratings, Stanford is number one. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. So when I saw my result, first, when I saw Stanford's schedule get announced on Tuesday, I just, I, I was blown away. I mean, Stanford's the first team in 10 years that they do not play a single group of five 
or FCS opponents. So they play a schedule of 12 power five opponents, first team in 10 years of college football to do that. And then once I plugged in my power ratings, Stanford came out as the toughest schedule. So they had the toughest uh, Nebraska, Purdue, Colorado, Georgia Tech all have tough schedules. The teams you won't see in there, I think this would be the biggest surprise, no SEC teams. And I think a lot of it goes to the, the, the non-conference scheduling or lack thereof of the SEC. Only play eight conference games. I actually think the SEC is going to be down this year. And then, you know, a lot of non-conference went, you know, a team like Arkansas uh, or Kentucky specifically, who has a very weak schedule. And when you look at some of their non-conference games, when three or four of your games each year are against, I mean, literally FCS teams and like bottom 10 teams at the FBS level, that that's why you're not at the top of my toughest schedule. Yeah, and I think it's important to to make that distinction that you know Stanford, maybe the Pac-12 would be better, maybe the Pac-12 won't be better, but they are playing 12 Power Five opponents, which is yep. something as you said that you know nobody's done that in 10 years. So yeah, that's going to give them a very challenging schedule. And you even mentioned here that Stanford could be an underdog in 10 of their 12 games. Yeah, and a couple of them are close to pick. I mean, right now, we're just going off my early line projections for every single game. Uh, I only have Stanford favorite at Vanderbilt. That's the only game. The Kansas State game, basically a toss-up. Maybe a very slight underdog against Cal at home late in the season. At Oregon State could be a short underdog role. I'm I'm down on Stanford this year, so maybe I'm a little negative, but reasonably so considering they lost a lot of guys leaving early for the draft. Uh, Yeah, only one clear-cut favorite role for Stanford, they'll probably get a little bit more respect in the market where there might be another game where they're favored in. But yeah, that David Shaw, who a lot of people uh, question, uh, a lot of the analytics guys uh, they are not big David Shaw fans. He will have his work cut out for him. I'll say right now, Adam, Stanford, if you're looking for, hey, who's Brad Powers going to be playing on and against season win totals, games of the year and whatnot, I'm telling you right now, I'm looking to fade Stanford this year. Well, that's not exactly a ringing endorsement for Stanford, to say the least, and especially, too, because, you know, this is a team that has kind of struggled a little bit over the last few years after being one of the better teams there in that Pac-12 conference. And, and I don't think – that David Shaw's job is necessarily in question, but we know Scott Frost is on a hot seat in yep. Lincoln. And for Purdue, you sort of wonder about their coaching situation as well. Colorado, of course, with a new head coach last year and Carl Durrell, who actually I think exceeded expectations quite a oh, bit. Yeah. Uh, the Buffaloes, as you said, the number fourth toughest schedule for you. Georgia Tech, their coaching situation is fine there with the fifth hardest schedule. Arizona, a new head coach. They've got a top 10 difficulty of schedule for you. So that's kind of interesting to follow here too, is that, you know, I would say three of the top six teams here solidly have, you know, coaches that are not really working with a whole lot of job security going into this season. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for Scott Frost to to finally make a move, uh, I don't, I don't see it happening. I I really don't. Uh, After, you know, two and a half years, I'll say last year's kind of a half season uh, of really disappointing uh, I, I don't look for them to, to make a big jump. I do think he needs to get into a bowl game. But, I mean, when you look at, at Nebraska's schedule, I mean, they are going to – I don't care how much improved they are. They're going to struggle to get to a bowl. I mean, they'll be favored in their first two games against Illinois and, and Buffalo. 
but then they're at Oklahoma in non-conference schedule. That, that'll be a likely loss. Michigan State, Northwestern, they can win those games. Even Michigan at home might be winnable. But then, you know, at Minnesota will be tough. Ohio State will be tough. At Wisconsin, Iowa. You know, if I had to set a season win total right now for Nebraska, probably six, six and a half. Uh, and I know that's not going to – six and six and maybe seven and five best-case scenario is not going to you know, keep the people there in Lincoln very happy. No, definitely not. And and these are important things to start thinking about now that the schedules are out, specifically the conference schedules. And, you know, we're probably a month and a half, I would say. No, actually, months. Adam, keep in mind, Bet Online's like released them. And, it, uh, you know, first I questioned it, but it makes a lot of sense. You're going to have a bunch of people betting the NCAA tournament uh, and they're going to flood in the marketplace. You know, maybe they win. So how do you hold their money for a long period? Hey, open up some season win totals in college football because a lot the same people that bet college football, if there's one thing they're going to bet outside of college football, it's probably the NCAA tournament. So I have seen bet online the last couple of years release season win totals like a week from the day, like March 10th or 11th. Yeah, and again, like we talk about every offseason basically – is, you know, the timelines are accelerated uh, across all of the sports here. So that's definitely something that you want to keep in mind and factor in the equation. One thing I do want to ask you about here, um, you know, we're not going to get political with this at all, but <laughs> Joe Biden did say that by the end of May, there will be a vaccine available for everybody in the U.S. So when you're looking at home field and kind of looking at, you know, your power rating setup and, and your projected lines for these games, we're six months out from effectively six months out from the start of the college football season. It's an unpredictable virus. We know that, but it certainly does seem like we're very much on the right track. Now, are you giving the full home field in the numbers that you're putting together? No, I'm not. Uh, and I don't think I'm ever going back to uh, where I was, you know, in 2019 and prior, I, you know, just to put in perspective, I was a little over three on average, you know, one through one thirty. Obviously, some Power Five teams uh, had you know weighted into that. But you know, typically for college football, I was like three and a quarter. Last year, I was down to two. Uh, was on average. I mean, a lot of teams only had like one or so. Uh, you know, and some teams had three. But uh, depending on crowd and whatnot, and uh, and just maybe elevation and some unique circumstances there. But I, I would say right now, I am more towards leaning to whatever I put towards last year's home field. Cause my just pure power ranks for me, I had my best year ever. And uh, I, I think some of it was, I, I wasn't, you know, giving, you know, as much, maybe, maybe overcompensate. I, I certainly wasn't overcompensating for, for home field uh, last year, but maybe I was in prior years. So I, I I'm not going to go all the way back uh, to, to where I was. I think, and look, stats prove it. You know, home field advantage, whether it be the NFL or college football, just isn't what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's easier to travel. Kids are used to it. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting discussion. It's something we could talk about more, you know, as the season approaches here. But it, it is a good point. And, you know, you'll have some people that are kind of saying, oh, well, you know, home field advantage in 2021 may actually be worth more because fans, college students, everybody good will be point. a lot more excited to be back in that environment and now teams will be going back out on the road where they are playing against you know the other team but also 30 40 50 60,000 plus fans but like you said you know we've seen that home field has less and less of an impact over the last several seasons so I think it's a really interesting discussion to have 
as we get a little bit closer here. But as far as what's right in front of us, another week of the FCS. And you and I were talking about this before we started recording here. And again, I will throw this out there for our listeners. We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. So some of these lines may have moved as people enter into the FCS market. But right now, it doesn't seem like it's taking a whole hell of a lot to move these FCS lines. Different posting times. I know that's been very frustrating for you to try and pinpoint when these numbers are actually going up. But, you know, it it does seem like everyone's sort of settling into this market a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. At least the lines are getting posted at a reasonable time. I mean, most books, I mean, right now, as we look at it, you know, majority of the books have at least sides up. So, you know, some books are getting more aggressive, putting out totals several days in advance instead of waiting until game day. So at least we have that. And I'll expect that as we further progress and you get more data, uh, that sample size bigger, more data on these teams, maybe, you know, it'll morally, you know, resemble an FBS type of, you know, release schedule, you know, Monday, most of the books open up and whatnot, but I'll say, you know, it's been frustrating. Uh, I, I am very confident that I can beat the closing line, even at the FCS level. I am very happy with my power ratings and my handicapping numbers, to put in perspective, I have made 27 bets so far. I know that sounds like a lot, but I have made 27 bets, and I have either gotten you know the, whatever the closing number was or beaten it in 25 of the 27 bets. Only two times did the line move against me, and both times it was a half a point. So, uh, I, with that being said. I still, you know, I'm below 50% right now. I had a winning week last week, but I'm still below 50%. So uh, we'll see how long that can continue uh, for me and see how much patience I have. But it's a very high variance market right now. And the results from last weekend, last Saturday alone, I would go down in history if it was just an FBS weekend, what would go down in history? I mean, we had 20 games and just, that's just a random set of 20 games. Not like 20, you know, 20 games where we had specifically 20 double digit underdogs, but in a random set of 20 games to have six double digit underdogs, not cover the spread. We're talking about winning the games, five of those six teams winning the games by double digits. I mean, that would take three, four weeks of an FBS regular schedule to, to have that amount of double digit underdogs win outright. And we saw it in, in basically a 20 game set last weekend, very high variance turnovers have been the main culprit Adam, uh, which, you know, obviously turnovers is probably the most important statistic in, in football, as far as correlation to covering a point spread. And it's just a lot of sloppy play. It'll get cleaned up. And I think that that'll make the market a little bit less variance, but it, to me, for me personally, it's just about surviving these next, you know, last couple of weeks and this next week and maybe another week. Well, of course, as we know, I mean, turnover is one of the hardest things to, to try and handicap, oh my God, yeah. especially early on in a season here where, as you said, it's, it's been kind of sloppy uh, to say the least interesting tweet you had yesterday, uh, well, yesterday when we're recording, but on Tuesday, Favorites are 10 and 25 against the numbers so far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were losing record prior to last week, but yeah, I, on last Saturday alone, this is incredible. I mean, underdogs went 16 and four, 16 and four against the spread uh, in one day. I mean, it's just remarkable. Uh, what, what do I attribute it to? You know, teams aren't polished. 
Uh, so, I mean, it's tough to, to lay double digits with the team if you're just not running on all cylinders. Again, very sloppy play, tough to lay double digits when you got a team. that yeah, It's tough to cover as it is, but covering double digits or, or more than a touchdown when you're turning it over two, three times come, becomes increasingly uh, difficult. But, you know, I'm, people will say, oh, parody, this and that. You know, we'll see when it all shakes out. But uh, and people are going to all point towards North Dakota State losing. I think that's more of a North Dakota State problem than it is at the FCS level. Uh, But yeah, right now, if you're blindly betting the dogs, you're 25 and 10. That's I'd take that any day of the week and twice on Sunday. No, absolutely. It's definitely. (laughs) uh, And of course, too, that is something that I mean, that's going to regress to the mean. You know, there's no. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially, as you said, as some of these teams that, you know, are in favorite roles kind of clean things up a little bit and. You know, teams that are in favorite roles at this point in time are, are generally teams that, you know, are good at this level. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's not like you've got teams that were really awful that are all of a sudden favored, you know, in such a strange season, such a strange format. So that is something I would expect some positive regression to the mean for the favorites. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the marketplace if you start seeing some of those favorites get shaded a little bit, just simply with the expectation of, of playing to their levels, you know, uh, the the tide that raises all boats or whatever they say, you know, favorites across the board should start doing better here as we go forward. What about a favorite coming up here on Thursday night, South Dakota and North Dakota, North Dakota, six and a half, a little bit of extra juice. The numbers showing up here at DraftKings, 48 and a half, the total for this one. And again, I have to throw this out there recording on Wednesday afternoon. This line could very well be seven. It could be six. I don't know by the time you hear it, but with what we're talking about currently, North Dakota six and a half and 48 and a half, the total on the side here. Any thoughts on this standalone Thursday night game that I'm sure a lot of people will play just for the hell of it because it's on. Yeah. So real quick, I will say it looked like the mark early markets did short a lot of the favorites this week. So even though underdogs have been increasingly, you know, obviously been the play so far, I thought, you know, I, I had a lot of favorite bets that I made so far. So I'm not overwhelmingly, you know, the, the underdogs being so successful so far is not scaring me to, to bet whatever my number says. So I did bet more favorites than dogs so far this week. And I, I think right now, as it stands on Wednesday afternoon, I, I see more value on the favorites than the dogs. Speaking of that, this game, I, I would certainly lean towards North Dakota in this matchup. Obviously, shop around. Pay that day seven being a very key number. Uh, if you can get six and a half with extra juice, you know, obviously I would, you know, prefer that, but uh, you know, I just like the spot here for North Dakota. It's their third straight home game, Adam and South Dakota is playing on a short week, playing their second consecutive game on the road and South Dakota last week, we talked about turnovers already. How about this? They were plus six in turnovers last week against an Illinois state team that I'm not a big fan of and neither is the market so far this spring. And they still only won the game by seven. So I think South Dakota is a fit play against team. The reason why it's not a huge bet for me, I also think North Dakota is going to be a play against team. I mean, they have made national news uh, for a couple of, of outright upset wins, including last week over South Dakota state. That surprised me dive into the box scores. The finals of those two games, very misleading to what the stats actually said. North Dakota's, you know, very favorable to be at 2-0 and so far. So that's the only thing preventing me from making a big bet on North Dakota here. But, but I certainly think they're the right side because of the situational spot. 
Well, it'll be interesting to see if the line, you know, is kind of indicative of that for their upcoming games where both of these teams, as you said, kind of play against teams out there in the marketplace. So, you know, those are always fascinating things to follow. And, you know, also too, with a market that is so inefficient right now, and again, you know, we're talking about very significant line moves early on in the week at the time these are posted at low limits. I'm sure people dive in again as the limits tend to increase. You're going to see those movements. So, you know, if Brad Powers says both of these teams are fade teams, then you're likely to see money come in against them <laughs> in their upcoming games. So go ahead and get out in front of that movement and then decide when the market settles in, you know, if that's a position that you want to hold. And that is something that you and I talked about last week as well, Brad, of when you're getting your line value, are you just holding on to it or are you playing back at it for a, you know, full middle, partial middle, something like that? You know, those opportunities probably still present here for at least a couple more weeks. Absolutely. Uh, partial middle almost on everything, some full middle if the difference is great enough and it's right in between my actual number on the game. But almost every bet that I'm making, if it's moving through key numbers or moving enough points, I- I'm playing back almost everything. Because, you know, as confident as I am, as far as me beating the closing line, I, I-, I still, you know, it's still the FCS. It's still my first go around as far as handicapping all these teams on a week in and week out basis. I mean, obviously I've handicapped these teams when they're facing FBS opposition in the past, but, and also when the playoffs get to it, but regular season FCS football and with it being a very unique situation here with it being played in the spring, you know, am I as confident as I would be, you know, week five in October on an FBS game with my number and my bet. No, I'm not. I just, you know, I'm an open book here. All right. So we move on from that game to Friday's standalone game here between Albany and New Hampshire. And, you know, those teams from the heartland are teams that a lot of people probably know. I mean, I think South Dakota played Kansas a couple years ago, maybe even beat them off memory serves me correctly. Uh, You know, people know North Dakota state, you know, they know a lot of those teams in the heartland of the U.S. or down in the Southeast, the teams that wind up playing some of the SEC teams. You don't hear a whole hell of a lot about Albany and New Hampshire <laughs> when it comes to uh, you know college football here. So anything stand out to you about this standalone Friday night game? So they're both in the Colonial. Uh, Colonial's, you know, if we were doing a Power 5 conference, uh, you know, comparing Power 5 group of five at the FCS level, uh, the Colonial is a Power 5 conference. That's the same conference where James Madison is. Uh, this is one where I'm not going to be involved. You know, this is the first game for both teams since November of 2019. So neither team has played so far in the spring. Neither team played, you know, a couple games even last fall. A lot of unknown there. Both were winning teams back in 2019. Albany was a playoff team. Uh, They're typically, as a program, not a playoff caliber program. So, you know, usually I like fading teams off historical highs. New Hampshire, if we're doing, you know, a program over the last five, ten years, would have a higher power rating. So, you know, if it got to three, you know, Albany, a a three-point road favorite i i would play new hampshire plus the three but right now with the line you know albany minus one and a half no bet for me and you know I, i'll let me give a shout out circa doesn't care what the line is uh, as far as you know, if the, a bunch of books are already out with a the line they'll come out with their own line on the game i really give them credit for that they have new hampshire favored and that's actually the team that i have favored in this game from a pure power ratings aspect. I mean, I, I don't have a three or anything, but I think New Hampshire should be maybe a one or two point favorite here. 
All right, so let's jump ahead to Saturday then, and let's kind of jump around the card a little bit and sort of see if there are some games that you're looking at, maybe some that have already moved, maybe some that you anticipate some movement from. I feel like the first game on the board, Southern Illinois and Youngstown State, kind of a bigger game, kind of a game that some people yep. uh, you know, would, would sort of know. Uh, do you have a position in that one? So usually I'd want to fade uh, Southern Illinois. I mean, that was the team that you know upset North Dakota State last week and ended – the Bison's 39-game winning streak. But there was nothing fluky about that game. I mean, even though we, we've been talking turnovers and fluke and whatnot, uh, Southern Illinois flat-out beat North Dakota State. I mean, you go look at the box score. Uh, they dominated them, even in the trenches. So this is a Southern Illinois team that you know had a bunch of turnovers in their game against North Dakota two weeks ago. So th- I think that's given them some slight value. Uh, and, and again, you know, people are going to probably want to fade them this week. I don't. I would. I even though it's got a lower total, it's on the road. They're off a big upset win. I can only look towards Southern Illinois here. I think they're a legit team. Youngstown State offensively is, even though they played two really good defenses in North Dakota State and Northern Iowa so far. I mean, they are pitiful on the offense side of the ball. I don't expect them to have much success here. So Southern Illinois, is, uh, I did bet them minus seven. All right, as far as the rest of the card goes, kind of jumping around a little bit, like I said, uh, anything that, you know, that you're looking at, anything you've played, anything you want to share with our listeners here for this week? Uh, one team, I kind of like Southeast Louisiana. Uh, it's nine and a half now. I think the number is going to close 10 or so, at least at 10, if not above it. Uh, it. They lost their game last week against Sam Houston State, but basically played up the expectation in that game. Sam Houston's going to be a really good team this year. McNeese. I got blown out uh, at home, and I, I don't think McNeese is going to be a good team this year. Keep in mind, they were very fortunate to beat Tarleton in that opener a few weeks ago, getting a couple of late scores to force overtime, then getting completely outclassed last week. I think Southeast Louisiana in a bounce-back spot. If you just want to play numbers, I expect that one to, to close at least 10 or, or higher. Southeast Louisiana be a decent bet at minus 9.5 real quick. My favorite bet, even though it's moved uh, through a key number, and that's the problem. I'll just full disclosure: I make a uh, if I make a max bet, and right now max bets for most places are like a dime. Uh, the line is going to move point point and a half. That's not an eagle. That's just a fact. Maybe I'll do a, a a tutorial, a live periscope or whatever, and just show you, you know, one one bet by old Brad Powers, and the line's going to move. But on uh, these games, so it's tough giving out exactly what I bet it at. But Southern Utah, it's now minus three and a half. I got it, in, you know, a two and a half. I, you know, they're a team that lost by a point last week. I thought they outplayed Northern Arizona on the road, should have won. And, and also understanding the market and watching moves. And Idaho State was actually a team I bet on last week. And the market also early in the week was, you know, with me. It's one of the only times the market has eventually moved against me on one of my bets. And I thought it was a head fake. Uh, so Idaho State was like plus 20. That's what I bet it at. Got down to like 17 last week against Weber. And then a ton of money came in on Weber State. So I'm expecting maybe it's pro Weber State money. We don't know for certain yet. Or maybe it was just that matchup, but money did come against Idaho State. And anytime I'm on the wrong end of closing line value, that, that certainly raises some red flags for me. So I think this line is going to continue to climb. Southern Utah minus three and a half is probably my favorite bet on the board right now. Yeah, and it's important to look for those context clues as well and, and kind of follow the market. And, and like you said, somebody in the know liked Weber State. 
So, yep. you know, you, you kind of look at that and see how you can apply that to the following week. And, and sometimes observation, you know, can be your best friend, especially in a market like this, where, yep. as you said, it is high variance. You are still trying to find your way, kind of figure things out and all of that. To your point about Southeastern Louisiana, I've got a, a buddy in the know who told me straight out up front over is the way to go with this team. Last week, 43 to 38 against Sam Houston State. This week, that total for McNeese State and Southeastern Louisiana, I believe I saw it, what, 56 and a half, I think was the number. You said you make it 56, and, and the market's kind of in that range. But uh, like I said, I got, a, I got a trusted buddy of mine in the know who said oh. that Southeastern Louisiana was an over team this season, and uh, so far, one for one on that call. And I think it was the highest scoring game of the week. So uh, certainly uh, there was a bunch of lower scoring games and and to have that kind of uh, performance and keep in mind coming in the season, I thought Sam Houston state's defense was one of the best at the FCS level. So the fact that Southeast Louisiana put 38 on that defense says, says a lot. So yeah, you, you got me and keep in mind, I mean, you can study these teams left and right, but sometimes in these particular instances where the market doesn't have a lot of info, having a, you know, a buddy or somebody kind of in the know, it can make all the difference in the world. So I, I could only, with you saying that and that coming true last week and, you know, full disclosure, you told me before the game and I just didn't get around to betting it. Uh, but you know, I could only look towards over in this game, even though it's right at my number. So we got a good number of games here on Saturday, but we've also got some games on Sunday as well. And I'll be really curious to see what the betting handles kind of look like for this, where I know college basketball is in the spotlight, obviously with it being the month of March, but the NBA is on hiatus. They finish up Thursday night, come back for the second half of the season, Mm -hmm. like March 10th or, or something like that. But I'll be really curious to see what kind of happens here with the FCS market, how much, you know, of a, of a public influence do we see of people just playing these games because they're there and because they're, you know, getting TV time and, and all of that. But I think it's especially true of Sunday where you get a big Saturday college basketball card. And on Sunday you get some daytime football, which, you know, I mean, we, we kind of miss that, you know, not after not having that uh, since really the conference championship games. And of course, getting the Super Bowl uh, in the evening time uh, on Sunday was at February 7th or 5th, whatever it was. But we got some FCS football here on Sunday. Anything about that small slate of games? I think there's seven of them on the board. Any of those that you played? Well, no, there wasn't one, uh, which is kind of surprising. But I would say the most interesting game of the entire week is Dixie State against New Mexico State, uh, where New Mexico State's a three-and-a-half, four-point home favorite in this one. And, you know, I said it a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I, I think it looks even worse a week after the fact. I bet New Mexico State two weeks ago uh, at Pickham. They closed a five-point favorite, and they were humiliated against Tarleton State. I mean, it was a horrific performance. I mean, Tarleton State scored on their first two plays of the game, 75-yard touchdowns. Uh, so it was really bad. And what happened last week? Tarleton State lost to this Dixie State team. Dixie State hadn't played a game ever before at the division two level, Tarleton state had two games under their belt and Dixie state goes out as a four touchdown underdog and wins the game outright turnovers are a little bit of the issue, but they still outplayed Tarleton state. So <laughs> I, I can tell you this uh, Dixie state 
to me, it's tough getting a power rating, a team that's only played one game at the FCS level, and who knows what New Mexico State's going to bring. But if we're just going off past results so far from, from, from what we've seen in this very, you know, last couple of weeks, small sample size of FCS action, I don't know how New Mexico State's favored. And that's so, so pathetic for an FBS team to possibly go 0-2 against two teams that had never even played at the FCS level before. I mean, if that does happen for New Mexico State, I mean, I don't care if they're, if they're playing backups. I don't care how many new players are on the roster. I don't care how many guys are hurt. I mean, that that is just so pathetic. Where the fact where if I, I'm a leadership or I'm on a board of trustees, Adam, and I know I'm getting on my pulpit a little bit here, but I, I would seriously consider whether or not we want to be and playing big time college football anymore. I mean, that's just me. So I, if I had to lean right now, it'd be Dixie state plus three and a half plus four. Well, and of course, as we look at New Mexico state and, and they will be returning to FBS play next year, at least, you know, unless they get relegated to FCS or, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, UTEP on August 28th, uh, UTEP. That's one of the good, first games. Yeah. yeah. UTEP with maybe a good chance to win. Uh, November 13th, New Mexico state at there Alabama. I, what is what is that number like 70 yeah you know what before i haven't you know updated my new mexico state uh power rating and plugged it into my schedule yet but i had it at 65 uh if you take five i would downgrade new mexico state five points after the tarleton <laughs> state game so yeah pure power rating would be exactly 70 points against alabama now is that what the line's going to be no it's probably gonna be upper 50s but you are you you are in fact right on my exact number it'd be 70 right now we're just doing a power ratings difference, throwing in, you know, two points of home field advantage. How, how awesome would that be to see a line of 70 in a college football game? <laughs> like, I mean, and if anybody could do it, I, I guess it, you know, could be Alabama. I don't, I don't know if they'd be willing to run up the score like nah, that. Nah, Saban's not one of those types. Oh, I would. But I'm an asshole. So yeah, I would too. I, I, I want to, you know, beat up people as bad as they can. I, I just, that's how I am. Like, can you, can you just sit there and imagine on November 27th, like we're sitting there all after the Thanksgiving holiday, you got all these great games and then UMass is laying like 14 and a half at New Mexico state or something. <laughs> I do have New Mexico state. Well, that, that one's closer to pick now. That's unbelievable. And, and if you wonder why Kentucky and Alabama and a lot of those sec schools aren't at the top of my toughest uh, strength of schedule ratings. It's because they're playing teams like New Mexico State and Massachusetts. Man, what? <laughs> pathetic! I mean, New Mexico State right now is uh, forget but that, but the FBS level. What? They're probably they're right now on a pure power rating. They're probably a bottom fifteen or twenty FCS team. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like, how low do you go with a power rating for this team? I mean, you know, usually speaking, like you and I are kind of in that forty to a hundred range before the season. Kind of down, yeah. kind of down around thirty-five now because of teams like UMass and New Mexico State. I mean, shit, we're down to like thirty to a hundred now because New Mexico State and UMass are just that bad. Yeah, I have gotten, I have broken in the last couple of years. I have never been, I think, lower than thirty-five, and I've gotten UMass a couple of years ago. I got in the twenties. Uh, Bowling Green almost got there this year. Uh, Akron has been right around there. I mean, the bottom of, of the FBS level is as bad as it's ever been. Well, and you've even gone, I think, to your highest point a couple of few times in the last couple of seasons too, with teams like Alabama yep. 
Clemson, LSU. Yeah, yeah, the last two national champions are the two highest power rated teams I've ever had. And people are going to be like, oh, recency bias. Look at who these guys have played. I mean, both teams played like six or seven top 10 teams and they're destroying them. I'm, and let's just put an example, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you're only playing 11 or 12 games. Now you're playing 15. And usually those extra two, three, four games that you're playing are against top flight competition. Your sample size is bigger. You're playing better opponents and you're beating them by bigger scores. Of course, I'm going to have you up there. And anybody wants to tell me the 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers running an option offense is better than, you know, an Alabama team from last year, or the LSU team from 2019. I mean, I'd love to make a bet on that game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like, I like fired up Brad Powers. I'm enjoying it. It, it sounds good. Maybe it's just because we're recording this in the afternoon instead of, uh, you know, in the early morning hours for you. But I, I enjoy fired up on his soapbox, just going off Brad Powers. I'm enjoying it quite a bit, man. I appreciate it. I, I'm capable of it. I'm pretty low key a lot, but you get me fired up. I mean, there's a reason why I take blood pressure medication. So let's put it that way. Well, that's just an occupational <laughs> hazard in this business, right? <laughs> yeah eventually it's going to get you. You're going to lose your hair or something. Absolutely. For those of you who start off betting, you'll you laugh at that now, but if you're doing it daily, come talk to me in five to 10 years. All right. Let's chat a little bit of college basketball here to kind of uh, put a bow on things just because, you know, it's going on. It is March madness. It's, you know, certainly in the spotlight right now, whether it's conference tournaments or the tail end of the regular season here. And, Again, you know, we got some overnight numbers we could talk about a little bit with regards to the Thursday card. A few big games, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, uh, you know, but a lot of conferences, just not a ton going on uh, at this point in time. Just kind of jockeying for position for seeding for the conference tournament or, you know, those bubble teams trying to kind of build their resumes up a little bit. Uh, You know, one thing that you mentioned to me before we started recording here, kind of going through what we were going to talk about was, you had kind of some teams you were looking to play on and some teams that you're looking to play against. So are those regular season factors, teams you're looking to fade in conference tournaments here? What's that all about? Uh, well, I, you know, the reason I thought about it, because the one play on teams already, as we're recording this on Wednesday, one play on teams already played, and it's St. Joe's, who, who's been battling injuries for a lot of their key guys all year. Specifically, their best player is a guy by the name of Ryan Daly, who missed a a significant portion of the middle part of the season. He has returned the last four games for St. Joe's. They have won all four games. They've covered the spread in all four. They pulled a couple of uh, big-time outright upsets over Richmond and Dayton. Earlier today, they took some money. Didn't matter. They still won and covered against LaSalle. And they're playing UMass tomorrow on Thursday. It'll be interesting once that number comes out. Uh, it'll probably be St. Joe's, you know, an underdog of, of anywhere between, you know, it already is out. And it's already shaded, I see. I would still lean with St. Joe's plus two, two and a half. I thought the number was going to be at least, three, you know, four. But uh, I, I would lean St. Joe's. Completely different team with their best player now in the lineup. And even though they're playing back-to-back days, I mean, that's a team, their overall season power rating as factored by a Ken Palm or a Bart Torvik is just not accurate. Completely different team the last four games. So that's one of the play on teams, Adam, St. Joe's. Well, let's talk about this for a second here. And and I'll try to get this show out early, uh, as early as I can on Thursday, just to, you know, maybe give some immediate listeners a chance to get some thoughts there on that one o'clock tip off. But St. Joe's already played in this conference tournament. As we talked about, they played on Wednesday, were victorious, did advance. They play a UMass team that did not play. And 
know, that conference tournament is, is interesting because it's played, you know, in Richmond where uh, Richmond and VCU are both located. So it's not like it's one of those neutral site games or anything like that. But I always think that's a really interesting angle for conference tournaments of these teams that play in the first or in the second round or maybe both. Then they go to the quarterfinals and play a team that's cold, play a team that hasn't played yet. Yeah. And, and specifically, I think in those neutral settings, particularly the bigger venues, you know, like a, like an enterprise center in St. Louis for, for Arch Madness or, you know, some of these buildings that seat 12, 14,000 people that, you know, might have 1,200 in them this year. You know, I wonder how that's kind of priced, how that's sort of factored in, or if it is, these teams that have had a chance to go out there and play already against these other teams that are just wound up tighter than a drum because, you know, this is their one shot. And that other team's already gotten some of those jitters out, and they're probably playing tight, you know, because it's their first game. And I said it better myself. And maybe you look for St. Joe's more first half uh, in this particular instance because of what exactly you, you outlined there. But yeah, I'm. I'll say this: just if we're looking at, at conference tournament betting I'm strategy, one of those strategies is I'm not afraid to you know fire right back on that that team that you know won an earlier round. You know, two games in two days isn't a big deal for me, especially if the team got some momentum. And St. Joe's right now it has a ton of momentum dating back to the regular season. Uh, it's you know the third game in third three days, depending on how big your bench is, and obviously four games in four days. That's where you know yeah you can be, have all the momentum in the world, but I, I kind of get reluctant to play on you because at sooner or later, I mean those tired legs end up being a factor that 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 you know maybe supersedes the momentum. But yeah, you know, a lot of times the, the team like you mentioned already got the jitters out of the way, played in basically an empty arena. Uh, you know, maybe they're not struggling shooting with the, you know, a unique backdrop, sort of say. I think looking towards those teams first half and obviously full game, it would be my preferred, you know, preferred strategy. Not blindly betting it, but I do think there's, you know, you'll be close to positive EV. And with St. Joe's, I think that's the case. Well, and of course, too, you think about some of these low-seeded teams that maybe pull a couple of upsets, and then they're going to want every year the top teams. and. In the first half, they hang around. You know, it's tie. It's within a a possession or two, something like that. They lose the second half by 25. I mean, it it happens all the time. They get run off the floor in the second half. They get tired or the better team just kind of gets it going. Or, you know, obviously here too, unlike the regular season, this is it. When that game is over, if you lose, you are done. So you will see teams as irritating as this is, fall down 12, fall down 14. These players just trying to do whatever they can to have a few more possessions of their college basketball careers or of their college basketball seasons. So you do get those second half blowouts. And and I think derivative betting is a brilliant idea here in conference tournaments. And of course, the same things still apply that we always talk about. You know, if a team goes 13 to 24 from three in the, in the first game and they're a 32% three point shooting team, probably regressing in the second game. So those factors come into play, especially turning around, playing the next day. Coaches make a much bigger difference at this time of the year because you don't have three days to practice the plays that you saw on film or any of that. Boom, you just turn around and you play the next day and your coach better adjust on the fly or have a good game plan. There are a lot of things about conference tournaments that are just so fascinating to me and can be really good full game or derivative betting angles. 
more reasons why I think uh, you ask anybody that, that does multiple sports and long timers and, and even some newcomers, the favorite betting week of the year in any sport is conference championship week uh, coming up here in the next seven to 10 days in college basketball because of all, you know, the back to backs, the unique derivatives, you know, motivational gaps and whatnot. The fact that, you know, the, the spread a lot of times is, they're doing a better job now putting it overnights, but a lot of times these spreads you know, get released, you know, a couple hours before tip time on a, on a game day with the, uh, with a bunch of them. So I, it's, for all these reasons, I mean, it, it's a very fun time to be betting college basketball, even more so. I know everybody loves the first opening Thursday this year. It's Friday uh, of the NCAA tournament. And give me, give me these conference championship weeks. That, that, that's my preference. No, I, I totally agree with you. Like I said, I think it's a hot take, maybe sacrilegious, but I, I do prefer from a betting standpoint on the two conference tournament weeks more than the NCAA tournament week. Watchability, yeah, the NCAA tournament. Betting-wise, yeah. conference tournaments. And, and something else here, too, and I don't know if maybe you have a play-on team that sort of fits this thought process that I'm about to share here. You already mentioned St. Joe's being one of them, but you know, I think about the Houston Astros and I think about their regular season last year, they went 29 and 31, a bunch of guys were injured. Not only did they deal with a lot of injuries and a lot of attrition to the roster, I think they also dealt with not giving a shit itis. You know, I mean, it was a team that had been so good so many years in a row, a couple world series appearances, one, one. Now they're playing this gimmicky 60 game schedule. You know, I'm not sure how much they cared. Then they got to the playoffs they won the wild card round. They won the division series round. They were down three, nothing to the Rays in the ALCS tied that series before losing game seven. They showed up when it really mattered. And I think that's an element to conference tournaments too, where you may get a team that underachieved badly, whether it's injury related, COVID related, whatever the case may be, they underachieved in the regular season, but you know damn well they're going to show up in this format. So I think there's always teams like that you can kind of look to as well. Certainly. And a lot of the blue bloods have struggled so far this season, but we start to see some of those blue bloods turning around specifically Kansas looks like of all the blue bloods, a team that was really struggling there. They've gotten their act together with, you know, pretty much their only loss in their last eight games was an overtime game that they just blew against Texas on the road. But I mean, they're playing as well as pretty much anybody, Kansas. And, you know, maybe it's just not the big 12, uh, you know, maybe take a flyer on a Kansas team like that because they're certainly not going to be the favorite. I mean, Baylor's going to be the overwhelming favorite there, and we'll see where, where West Virginia, how they're priced. But that would be a team that, that looks like they're max motivated. Michigan State, it's March, it's Tom Izzo time, uh, and they're playing like it went in four of their last five, really making a run towards the stretch here. Uh, that's another team. And I, I've talked about this team all the time. I think it's the best team in the Pac-12 uh, you know, they've only had five or six games this season where they've been completely healthy and had all their top five players in the lineup at the same time. But it's the Oregon Ducks, a team that, that's won eight of their last nine games. Only loss was on the road against USC where they kind of got blitzed early. They had a bad first five to ten minutes. But other than that, this is an Oregon team that I think is peaking. And I think you can make money in betting Oregon, even at this point, even after the market knows that they've been red hot. Dana Altman and company, not only the last couple of games of the regular season, but the Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament as a team that, that you know, probably should be power rated in the top 20. And right now, if you're looking at the Kempom rating, are sitting you know closer to 40. 
Yeah, and I think I'll, I can throw out a couple of teams here too. Uh, you know, a team like Louisville, for example. You know, Louisville is a very young team. They don't have a lot of upperclassmen leadership. Lots and lots of freshmen and sophomores getting tons of minutes for this team. But you've got an outstanding head coach in Chris Mack. Yep. And, you know, this is a Louisville team that, you know, they came off a long COVID pause, got crushed by North Carolina, then a couple of nice wins against Notre Dame and Duke. And you can kind of see in that Duke win where they won in overtime 80 to 73, a young team growing up, a team with a lot of poise, a Duke team that was making a push to get, you know, back onto the bubble, back in that tournament discussion. And then this young Louisville team knocks them off. So a team like Louisville, I think going into the ACC tournament, that's maybe a little bit of a play on team with a good head coach, a young and hungry team, you know, a team that is going to get back into rhythm now after a bit of a COVID pause. Another one could potentially be a team like Providence, another good, experienced, quality March coach, at least recently, in Ed Cooley. You know, a team that's won three of its last four. They've been playing better. They got a game against St. John's here later on after uh, we finish recording here. We'll see what happens in that game. I could wind up looking bad right away before the show's even released. But, (laughs) no, a team like Providence is a team that they have a lot of upperclassmen. They have a good head coach. They've made some pretty nice runs in that Big East Conference tournament. Some coaches, just whether they know the right buttons to push or it's just a matter of the way that they develop players over the course of the season, something like that. I think you kind of want to look to play on those teams, those well-coached teams that maybe did fall short of expectations or maybe kind of showing signs of coming out of it as that conference tournament gets here. And there's, uh, you know, a reason why, you know, the cream rises to the top and certain coaches do better in the month of March. I mean, Tom Izzo being that one where I think it matters, certainly because of all the unique you know, situations that you're in come, come March compared to, you know, other times uh, of the year. So yeah, the, the, another reason why I like conference tournaments is, you know, is Providence going to make, you know, an NCAA tournament? No, but I can make money with them uh, in conference tournament week, even if they don't end up winning the, the, the conference championship, maybe you can be a play on team, you know, last couple of games, of the regular season, couple of games uh, d- during the conference tournament, but isolating those teams that, you know, you know, if they got the right guy at the top, you're not going to question motivation, sort of say. Right. They're, they're going to go down swinging. They're, yeah. they're not going to go down with a whimper. They're going to go down swinging and they're going to be out there, you know, giving their best effort. At least, you know, that's coming because there are some teams that will not care about the conference tournament. They will not care about their one shot deal because they face such long odds to, to find a way to actually win this thing. And those teams, specifically the ones that are maybe a, a little bit poorly coached, they will quit. They, they will mail in the second half. And if you can isolate those, whether it's a derivative play or a live betting play, something like that, that's an opportunity for you as well. So we hit on a few play on teams. Were there, were there any others that you had before we uh, finish the show with a bit of pessimism? Yeah. You know, one team in particular, and you know, we're going to, to low to the well here, but uh, Rio Grande Valley, it's a team that uh, UT you'll, you'll see, you know, their prefixes a little bit uh, you know all over the board, but it's a team that's really been dealing with a lot of, you know, the, 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 I've, I almost want to say tragedy. I mean, their head coach died a few weeks back. So, and on top of that, that they've had significant COVID pauses and that now they just recently lost their top player. I mean, their leading scorer uh, left the team. 
this is a team that had a long COVID pause. They're only one and four since they came back in the middle of January for them. And on top of it, that only win was against a non-division one team. So they haven't shown much since they've come back. Unfortunately, they've lost their coach. They've lost their best player. You're not going to get a lot of opportunities to play against Rio Grande Valley. But I think this weekend, Tarleton State, in a game where Rio Grande Valley is probably going to be listed as the favorite, favorite, I think there's a really good chance for get covering the spread that they lose both games to Tarleton State. So that that's you know, the, you know, meets the definition. Yeah, A, B, C, check, check, check of a team I do not want to play on. Yeah, Rio Grande Valley was a team I talked about fading twice last weekend. They were at Utah Valley for back to back. Of course, playing in the elevation, uh, they lost the first game by four. They were very competitive, very close game. Lost the second game by nine, failed to cover both of them, then get blown out by New Mexico State. So, yeah, that it's is over. that. Yeah, it, it certainly does seem like hey, maybe they rally, you know, at home here in these last two games. And I, and I hope that they do. No offense to you with if you play Tarleton State, but, you know, just to kind of have some semblance of a positive after, you know, what they've kind of gone through. But yeah, they, they would be a very, very tough bet to make, to say the least. Uh, any other fade teams that you're looking at here? Be careful with Bradley, a team that lost their top two scores, and it looks like their number three scorer, Henry, got hurt in their la- latest game. That That is a Thursday game against Southern Illinois. Uh, good chance that Bradley's going to be maybe favored in that game, a real short favorite. Uh, I want to fade Bradley. I think season's over for them. Uh, another team that looks like they've just given up, Charlotte. They've lost six in a row. I think, you know, turn out the lights, uh, the party's over for them. Yeah, South Florida, same thing with them. They got a couple of their top players have been questionable and have actually missed their last couple of games. Pittsburgh is a team lost two starters via transfer. I don't want anything to do with Pitt, even though they just beat Wake Forest the other night. I think that they're kind of a fade team. South Dakota lost one of their top players. Uh, I think they're kind of a, you know, come tournament time, they'll be a fade team there. That's not South Dakota State, that's South Dakota. Uh, and Nebraska, it's a team, I think that, that, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, the, the problem is they're playing like Iowa coming up on their next game and they're going to be like a big time underdog. I'm not sure that I want to lay 16, 17 points with the Hawkeyes, but Nebraska is a team I don't want to play on. Yeah. I think another fade team here would be New Mexico. I, I just, I don't see a team like yep. New Mexico really showing up here. I mean, they've had such a strange season. They've been playing their home games in a high school gymnasium, I think in El Paso, um, you know, they, they burned me on February 22nd. They beat air force in the first game, followed that up by losing the second game by seven, a game that set offense back about 35 years, but that's a team in New Mexico. I mean, they've got six wins this year. Two of them are against teams that are lower division. One of them is Dixie state. Who's in, uh, you know, division one, a for the first time they beat San Jose state and air force two just horrific teams. I don't think New Mexico really shows up for their conference tournament. And I think it is important, and you may pay some premiums to, to face yeah. some of these teams. But I mean, if they're going to complete no show, I mean, it's kind and of pay okay. enough of a premium. Yeah. yeah, it's okay to pay a point or two if it's complete no show. Yeah, and and there will be those. So if you can isolate those teams here in conference tournaments, and you know, look, I mean, you got to do your research. Doesn't mean you have to know a whole lot about the team, know their statistical profile inside and out, or anything like that. But just you can look at some of these teams and just kind of see how they're limping toward the finish. And just, you know, one of the things about bad teams, I guess this will be the final point we end on. You know, we talk all the time about good teams being able to flip the switch. 
You know, just like all of a sudden they can start caring. The problem is when you're a bad team and you've not been playing well, there is no switch to flip or there's no power connected to it. So if it's a team that's really bad and they look like they don't care, nothing is probably going to change in that conference tournament game. No, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, the, the, even though you're dangling that, you know, if it's a one bid league, I just, I don't see it more often than not usually. And especially this season, I just, I, I think a lot of teams, you know, it's been such a grind. It's been such a difficult year. I just think if you don't have it now, you're just never going to have it. Lots of fun chatting on today's show with Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com. And what's the story over at the site right now, my friend? Yeah, bradpowersports.com. Uh, you can check it out if you want college hoops, you want FCS, all the way through the FCS National Championship game in May. 79 bucks. you'll get daily picks, daily uh, plays with college hoops, obviously weekly plays when it comes to the FCS. And uh, that's a daily VIP update. So you're getting plays every uh, emails and plays every single day. Newsletter, I'll have my first newsletter coming out here in a couple weeks. Uh, giving you a first look at the FBS level as far as spring practices, early power ratings, uh, schedules, and some teams to, to play on and to play against here early on in the process. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, we got to have a lot of spring games coming up here soon, right? Yeah, we're not that far away, and it looks like a lot of you know teams are going to have it. I'm not sure how many people they're going to allow to to come into the stadium and whatnot, but looking at the schedules, you know, coming up in a couple of weeks, they start kicking in, and the month of April is just jam-packed, probably 60 to 80 spring games in the month of April alone. Well, there you go. That'll be something for you to watch and pay attention to and check out. So make sure you check out bradpowersports.com and follow Brad on Twitter, at Brad Powers and the number seven. Brad, it was fun as always, man. Great stuff, great insight, and then we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. There you go. There's Brad Powers again, at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter, bradpowersports.com is the website coming up on friday be honest with you i'm not entirely sure yet uh, if they take care and finish the home improvements maybe i'll have kyle hunter on friday's show uh, if they don't maybe i'll record something quickly myself maybe do the betters box talk some major league baseball things i don't know but we'll have a show on friday something for you to listen to so it'll just be a surprise for you i guess at that point in time that'll do it for me thank you so much for listening everybody and i will talk to you again tomorrow